Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. Indeed, you are listening to Backshot here on FBI Radio, your freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. As always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves. That's right. First up, we have our very own Cameron Wilson, BuzzFeed internet reporter and ex Backchat producer. He'll be on the show to chat with us about the conspiracy theories behind coronavirus and 5G technologies. After that, we have Winnie Dunn, the general manager of Sweatshop, a literacy movement which supports writers in Western Sydney. She's got some news about Sweatshop's new anthology, and we've got a content warning for the segment. She'll also be speaking to us about her experiences living with an eating disorder in coronavirus isolation. And as always, we want to hear from you. Do you believe in the 5G conspiracy? Is coronavirus a result of transnational bio-warfare? Oh, Lord. I want to hear <laughs> all your theories. I've got a couple of my own. Oh, no. Join in on the conversation and text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. So, Shami, mm-hmm. apparently 5G technology, other than connecting us at quicker speeds than ever before and being a major reason for a more interconnected global community, can also suppress your immune system, making you more susceptible to catching the coronavirus. Wait, what? Swether, that's not true. Well, okay, well, while this 5G conspiracy theory may seem wild, Amanda from Married at First Sight really backs this theory, so I want us to keep, us, keep a growth mindset uh-huh, about this. Okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. oh, yeah, oh, okay, anyway, we have our very own Cameron Wilson, BuzzFeed news reporter and ex-backchat producer, chatting to us about 5G and why it's, it's definitely, without a doubt, true. Oh, hey, Jesus. <laughs> hey, Cam. Hey, good to be back. Um, so, Cam, tell us why 5G is absolutely, definitely beaming coronavirus directly into our lungs. <laughs> Look, uh, so I'm going to um, disagree with you here. Okay. It, uh, <laughs> it's not sorry to be a, a uh, wet blanket. Look, the 5G um, is like essentially just 4G, you know, it's like a mobile phone network that we all have, it's being expanded. Um, and it is essentially the same technology, just kind of in a different frequency. Um, but as you know, there's like a pretty strong um, anti-intellectual uh, kind of vibe going on at the moment and how that's kind of coming out, playing out and, and has been for a while is that people have been very suspicious of new technologies, including um, 5G. Um, I don't know, it, a lot of people might not remember, there's been conspiracy theories about like, you know, microwaves that have gave us cancer in the past this is really just a new sense, um, you know, a new version of it. But where it got particularly um, kind of virulent and um, and, and I think the thing quite harmful as well is that um, it really combined with um, conspiracy theories about the coronavirus because, you know, think back to January this year before we all knew that it was going to be like it is right now and before we understood it, um, there was this, you know, mystery disease that was kind of in China um, and um, people were trying to figure out, you know, where it was coming from, what was causing it. And, and one thing that they kind of latched on, people who already were suspicious, um, you know, and I should say without any, like, basis really whatsoever, um, they kind of then combined it with this idea that, oh, look, Wuhan, China, which is where um, the first 
um, established cases of coronavirus came from. That has 5G. Uh, and, and from there, it really just spread to this idea that, you know, 5G is this cover to make us all sick and, and take over the world. So, it, look, it, it, I know it's, it is, it's ridiculous, and it's, it's funny to talk about, but, you know, there's a pretty significant um, group of people out there who, who, if not believe it, are at least open to the idea. So it can be quite harmful. So, okay, these theories normally start somewhere on the deep, dark web. How have they gained traction on more popular chat sites like, like Facebook? Yeah, look, it's, it's hard to exactly pinpoint kind of where it started. But, you know, there, like I kind of mentioned before, there was already people who were kind of sceptical about um, 5G. And from those kind of communities, they kind of then um, started feeding this idea that it was like had something to do with it. Um, and, and that's kind of how it spread from there. You often see groups of people who, who very vehemently gr- uh, believe something. So even just like, you know, Facebook groups, um, they kind of then use, um, you know, they'll, they'll um, create essentially what is like, you know, memes, which in a way is kind of just like propaganda to push their own points. And so you've got all these kinds of, um, you know, kind of graphics and, and memes that they're producing that ends up being spread. And that's kind of how you end up um, it, it kind of going further. Um, like, I mean, you, you mentioned Amanda from Maths. Um, there's, I think, Israel Lucas, who's a, another Australian C-list, Celebrity. Um, there's some. Sorry, sorry. So no, it's a no, C-list. C-list. Sorry. No disrespect to her, except for her um, mistaken beliefs about five G. And there's, a, there's some surfer guy. I'm sorry. I'm, I honestly like. I'm going to be real with you. The people. There's a, there's a like. It's a Venn diagram. Is people who believe in five G conspiracies <laughs> and like the C-list celebrity. Like it's there. Like I'm it's sorry. It's, it's like. If, yeah, I think you know having those beliefs at least stops you from um, being an A-list celebrity and at least publicly saying it. Um, but yeah. So and I mean, I guess the important thing about a kind of even a C-list celebrity saying this is that. Um, there was a study that kind of came out recently about conspiracy beliefs, which is that, um, you know, a lot of misinformation comes from people who have these elevated platforms. So, you know, even Amanda from Maths, she's got, you know, a couple of, you know, like tens of thousands of followers. Her just saying, hey, like, I'm, you know, I don't really believe in this, already spreads that message to a lot of people. So it, it can be quite damaging even for someone like a Maths contestant to spread this idea. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio, 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. And we've got Cameron Wilson, a reporter from BuzzFeed News, on the line to chat to us about coronavirus and 5G conspiracies. And we've got some texts in. That's right. Nathan from Blacktown says, I actually kind of believe the 5G conspiracy convinced me Nathan. otherwise. Nathan. Nathan. You know what? Okay. And then also someone else texted in. They said, my friend Pablo believes the coronavirus is caused by 5G. So, and that was before we even announced that we were talking about 5G. So I was asking for right. your conspiracy theories about coronavirus. But I feel like they're just trolling, right? Like they're all just joking. Like I want someone who genuinely, genuinely believes, believes in it. it. <laughs> Maps, um, um, Amanda from Mass. You know what? I don't know why we got Cam on the show. Let's get Amanda from Mass. Yeah, I know, right? We just <laughs> had a terrible right job. Mm, who are you going to believe? <laughs> Finally, a voice of reason. Claire from Newtown says, Are you kidding me? If you believe this, you're crazy. Sorry. And right. I'm like, You know what, Claire? Thank you. Thank you for being yeah. the light in my life. Okay, well, also, Eden from Paddington said, Go off Amanda from Maths. So, look, there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> mixture of support here. Um, I guess, like, who are we meant to refer to or who are we, we going to believe when it comes to these theories? 
Yeah, uh, great point. Are you going to believe, like, <laughs> scientific consensus or are you going to believe um, Amanda from us? Um, um, I mean, it, it's... <laughs> you know, when you're in isolation, uh, <laughs> everything's the All same. I'm saying is, who's got more followers on Instagram? Um, look, I mean, it, it's a... It is a tough one, and, and in a way, like, just to kind of take a step back, you know, there are heaps of conspiracy theories um, now, like, you know, anti-vax, which is really, by the way, closely tied with, like, 5G. Yeah. Um, there's, there's this way of thinking that is becoming increasingly kind of um, pr- prevalent, which is that, um, you know, we can't trust, you know, mainstream scientific institutions, mainstream media, um, and, and it, in a way, like, it, it kind of does take advantage of, of how science works, which is that, you know, with, with 5G, um, it, it's been rolled out, but, you know, all the experts say, look, there's no evidence so far that suggests it's bad, like it's causing cancer, it's causing coronavirus, or, or like whatever conspiracy theory that you have. Um, but, but we don't know because it hasn't been rolled out for a long time. Um, and, you know, it, there's even stuff saying that, you know, at a high enough level exposed to it, you know, there is some, there is, it's possible that you could um, kind of get cancer from it. But at the same time, 5G isn't, it's not used at the level where it's risky. But by acknowledging that risk, you know, part of science, which is being like, let's be open about the, what, what could happen just in case, you know, it does and we're wrong or maybe the risk is bigger or whatever. Um, people who are kind of against that stuff jump on it and be like, oh, look, this is risky. I don't want to kind of do it. Whereas what I say, which is often like, you know, the anti-vaxxers in particular say, don't do that, you know. Do like eat this kind of thing, you know, drink um, bone broth or whatever, and you'll be better. They're, it's much easier for them to say that because they don't need to kind of qualify things. They can be like, you will be healthier if you do this versus, you know, the scientific method, which is being like, there are these pros, there are these cons, but, you know, overall, we think the risk is worth it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. And, you know, there's always criticism of science communicators that they're not very good. But that's kind of, you know, the, that's something that should give us, uh, I guess, like faith in, in people who are talking like that. They're being upfront about, well, there are possible consequences for these things. That being said, we've made the judgment based on an honest and realistic evaluation of this stuff that it is fine. Okay, so along with these 5G stories, we've seen articles claiming that everything from bio-warfare to gov- government conspiracies um, are all at large. How are sites like 4chan, Facebook, and WhatsApp dealing with all the fake news? Yeah, so, I, I mean... You, we've been battling misinformation for for a while. Like, you know, I was doing stuff with the Australian bushfires over the summer, which was particularly bad. Like, you really saw um, a kind of culture war breaking out between, you know, some people saying that it's really caused by uh, by climate change, whereas it was definitely exacerbated by it, but, you know, all kinds of things. But it clearly climate change made it worse. And then on the other side, you had this idea that it was being caused by arsonists, which, again, like, you know, arsonists have always been part of Australian bushfires. Um, there wasn't like a, you know a a, a, um, a kind of like surge in arsonists, but people were pushing that because they didn't want to acknowledge that you know for instance that climate change was um, having an effect on it. So we do see that in these these big sites they've had problems like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. They've had problems with misinformation in the past. To their credit, I think they've dealt with it better than they have in the past. You know, Facebook um, and Twitter uh, have been really um, a lot more. Um, I guess kind of, they've taken, you know, there used to be more like, it's free speech, we'll let you guys kind of judge with it. They're definitely going to be more proactive about saying, hey, we're going to take down, for instance, uh, stuff about fake um, coronavirus cures because we think that that's causing real harm. So we're kind of seeing them come around and being like, no, we have to um, take steps on this. There's still stuff out there and it's really tough, like, 
you know, um, Pete Evans, the guy who was, or is he still on um, My Kitchen Rules? Sorry, I'm so bad yeah. with this stuff. But anyway, I'm not sure, celebrity. But yeah. yeah. It's another like, C-list. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I think he, he might be B and a half. Okay. Um, he, B and a um, half. <laughs> he um, has been kind of pushing, you know, he, he's quite mainstream. Most Australians would know who he is. Yeah, and he's Kate, been pushing Kate, kind Kate, of. Right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And he's been pushing that stuff for a while, but what he does is, like, he'll post, like, stuff being, like, um, oh, an interesting, you know, interview with Bill Gates. Um, what are your thoughts on this? And he's alluding to this, that there's, con- there's a conspiracy view that Bill Gates is kind of behind the coronavirus and all these things. He doesn't actually explicitly say that. So he, by kind of, you know, um, not actually saying it, but by, I guess, stoking those kinds of fears, is able to stay on the platform. So you are seeing people figure out how to get around it. But, you know, I think the social media platforms are being better than they have in the past. Actually, I've noticed that Instagram won't let you hashtag COVID or COVID-19 or coronavirus at all. So if you click on that hashtag, it doesn't lead you to a bunch of posts with that hashtag. It just leads mm. you to a page saying, uh, go to your science uh, sites and yeah. try and actually find the right information. So that's that's quite a responsible step. Definitely. Yeah, and, and, and they're doing that. And, like, you know, that is useful. But I guess the flip side is, like, I, I don't know how many people find conspiracy theories by, you know, searching hashtag COVID-19. Like, mm. how these things <laughs> spread is... Is um, you know, like I said, see with celebrities sharing them, or even you know your friends and family sending them to you um, in WhatsApp. I know WhatsApp is limiting the amount of people you can start forwarding messages to because it was being used to massively spread misinformation really quickly without anyone knowing. So you know, all these essentially like all these big social media companies, you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, they, they all kind of they came out of Silicon Valley and had this idea that it's a free market of ideas, and you post stuff, and if it's fake, well, then people will call that out and they'll figure it out. They're really having to retreat from that philosophy, mm. and um, I think that's for the best. Hey, Cam, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks. It's been good to be with you guys. Oh, we were so Yeah, wash your hands, Cam. Uh, yeah, that, that stay was... away from 5G towers. Joking. <laughs> 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 I have um, NBN at home, so I'm, I'm fine. Oh. <laughs> that was BuzzFeed News reporter Cameron Wilson, coronavirus and 5G hater. Don't move that dial because we're going to be chatting to writer and editor Winnie Dunn about her latest anthology and how she uh, is working to influence... Um, uh, the betterment of Western Sydney and everyone and everything. And I've totally missed what I was reading. I'm I so sorry. <laughs> Shami, we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> we're okay. We're going to go to a song now. We this are. is one of my old favorites. This is Yellow by Amine. Uh, stay tuned for the show. Wonderful. The, the Australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses. Does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons? Or is the Australian taxpayer paying for those as well? Fact chat. Your alternative to talk back. So how have you been finding social isolation? You know, have you been thriving with a new ISO project or has it taken a toll on your mental health? Our next guest is a writer and editor. Her name's Winnie Dunn, and she has explored how those with mental health issues like eating disorders have been affected by the coronavirus. Winnie is the general manager of Sweatshop, a new Western Sydney literacy movement, which aims to empower culturally and linguistically diverse communities. Before we start, there's a content warning for this segment, as we will be talking about eating disorders. Hi there, Winnie. Um, Lele, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So you've written a powerful piece for SBS Voices about your experience with eating disorder. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Uh, yeah, so the article I wrote was about a specific eating disorder called orthorexia, 
um, which is something that really affected um, my life uh, from about 2012 to about 2017, 2018. Like that was, you know, I'm, I'm in a stage of recovery now, which is um, great. Um, but orthorexia is the type of eating disorder where you're kind of obsessed about the pursuit of healthy eating and a healthy diet. And then you start to kind of limit what food you're eating until it starts to resemble something a little bit like anorexia. Um, but you're constantly trying to find um, that healthy food um, that'll kind of keep you in this kind of um, state of quote unquote healthy uh, or the ideal body type, uh, which is uh, a, a thin uh, white woman, I would say. And so as a Tongan Australian, um, those kinds of health images um, or quote unquote health images uh, really impacted uh, my life and the way that I um, chose to eat uh, during during the time of 2012 and 2017. So just how difficult has the process of recovery been while in isolation? Look, it's been difficult in the sense that, you know, when when I'm at home constantly um, and there's limited movement, I start to focus again on my eating habits and what I'm eating and if I'm exercising enough. And, and those kinds of uh, triggers uh, are something that was uh, that is familiar uh, to my orthorexia. But, you know, I'm a writer, and so what I do is um, during those times um, of crisis is that um, I write or I contact a friend who's a writer um, and we talk about books and, and we talk about um, stories um, that we're creating. And, and so in that sense, I'm able to kind of, in a way, talk to my orthorexia in a sense that I'm able to kind of write it out and tell stories uh, and move through it uh, rather than um, giving into it. Um, but the sense of kind of limited movement um, and being inside all the time um, during these isolation, um, during this phase of isolation, which is still really important and we should all be doing it, um, has been a kind of flare um, in in my way of thinking um, about food um, that resembles orthorexia. Your work is influenced by your own experiences, uh, but how has your Tongan Australian background influenced your writing? Uh, yeah, so I mean, as, as, a, as a Pacific Islander uh, who was born in Australia, the kind of stories that I see um, about Tongan Australians is kind of stereotypes of that we're fat and we're lazy and, and we're farm workers or that we're um, kind of sexually violent um, and disruptive um, as we see in kind of Chris Lilly's uh, brown face uh, racist interpretations of Tongans um, in his show Summer High Thai and Jonah from Tonga. And so as, as a writer um, and as somebody who's trying to... Um, move through or understand those stereotypes as something that affects me, but also something that, again, I can write to, um, just like I write about my orthorexia, is something, um, is, is kind of where writing, I think, can be uh, a place of transformation. So what was it like growing up in Western Sydney, and how has your own opinion of the area changed over time? Uh, well, I'm from kind of Mount Druitt, <laughs> um, and so the the kind of stereotypes about Mount Druitt is very clearly seen in a documentary series called Struggle Street um, by SBS, um, and, you know, it depicted Mount Druitt as a kind of place uh, filled with um, drug addicts um, and uh, welfare um, and, and welfare class. Uh, and so the perception of Mount Druitt has slowly Changed. I mean, we see one fall. Um, who's a kind of all Pacifica yeah. rap crew, um, who's incredibly 
kind of famous now and I think did like a music video with ASAP Ferg in Mount Druitt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so to see that kind of transformation of creativity, of, of creativeness coming out of Mount Druitt uh, and coming out of the Pacific Islander community in Mount Druitt specifically, um, you know, that's the community I from. I come from, you know, kind of seeing that change um, in in creating art um, from Mount Druitt, uh, yeah, that, that's been something that I'm really interested in. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We've got Winnie Dunn, a writer and editor from Sweatshop, on the line to talk to us about her eating disorder along with her racial and class background and how all of that has influenced her writing. So, speaking more about Sweatshop, you're the general manager of it. Can you tell us a bit more about the movement and how you got involved? Yeah, um, so Sweatshop Western Sydney Literacy Movement um, is a non-for-profit organisation dedicated to empowering um, people of colour um, from marginalised backgrounds um, to tell their own stories um, through reading, writing and critical thinking. Uh, and so when African-American uh, cultural theorist Bell Hooks talks about the transformation that literature can create um, or, or being literate, um, that kind of transformation can make to empower marginalised communities um, is something that we try to reproduce in our in our workshops um, and in our publications. Uh, yeah, and nice. so I'm the gen- yeah, and so I'm the general manager, and so and I run the the women's collective within Sweatshop, which means that uh, a whole bunch of women of colour get together once a fortnight, and we share our writing, and we share our stories, and we edit, um, and we have kind of publication outcomes with partners like SBS Voices and Red Room Poetry um, and Meangin and things like that to to create a kind of economy also around uh, being a writer uh, because we want our writers to be paid for their work and paid fairly. I mean, especially during this kind of time where the arts industry has taken a big hit, um, you know, that's, in, that's more important than ever now. Oh, love that. And so you've just launched volume two of your anthology, Sweatshop mm-hmm. Women. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so Switch Up Women is an anthology series um, that's centered on women of color reclaiming their own stories. I mean, so often women of color are either being spoken about or spoken uh, uh, on behalf of or even spoken as, like, white women tend to write stories about women of color through that experience, even though it's something that they don't know. And so Switch Up Women is is, um, an anthology series that goes against um, what we see in mainstream um, literature are kind of like Amer- the, the American dirt controversy. We go against that and we say, no, women of colour are very capable of being um, literate, of being exceptional um, creative writers and of telling our own stories in very specific um, and nuanced ways uh, that we think can begin to transform um, kind of the monoculturalism uh, of Australia's current literary scene. And you can purchase that latest anthology on your website uh, right now. Is that right? Yeah, at switchup.ws. But I have to make <laughs> a bit of a disclaimer. Um, I did like a TV appearance on the drum last night, and that's not to like toot my own horn. Like, I don't <laughs> want to be a gronk. Um, we, we're here for we people just, tooting their own horn, to be honest. I, but <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I just feel like a gronk when I say that. No, but like, we've just had so many orders uh, yes. that that we've just we're a bit overwhelmed at the moment and That's so incredible. of course of course I don't want to stop anybody from buying a book if they really want it. I mean Switch Up Women is a really um in, 
like important collection in terms of changing Australia's literary scene. But the the best way in kind of the next fortnight to support Sweatshop is just following us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, following us on Twitter, um, and just sharing your love and support there. And, and just waiting maybe a couple of weeks to buy the book um, if you feel so inclined um, because we're just like, Sweatshop is a team of three and we've got like over 500 orders at the moment. Oh, <laughs> amazing. That's and, so and exciting so that's for awesome. you. I know, it's it also, but it's also just like, I don't think I could take any more orders right now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> to anybody a, who's interested. <laughs> that's incredible. And we'll be sure to put all of the links to your to your wonderful work um, on the Backchat Twitter page. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us this morning, Winnie. No, thank you so much for having us. Um, and in Tongan, we say, Ofuato. Um, of what? Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. That was Winnie Dunn, a writer and editor and general manager of Western Sydney Literacy Movement Sweatshop. She just spoke to us about her latest piece on how she's trying to recover from an eating disorder in home isolation, as well as the launch of her new anthology. And if you need any immediate assistance or support, contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. For further information about eating disorders, contact the Butterfly Foundation support line um, or talk to a mental health provider or someone you can just trust. That's right. Well, that's all we've got for the show today. Another big thanks to our producers, Natalie Sekolovska, Eden Faithful, Pip Leeson, Millie Roberts, and Vanessa Lim. We are the <laughs> most produced show <laughs> in FBI history. For sure. <laughs> um, and another big thanks to our guests, Cameron Wilson and Winnie Dunn. We'll catch you next week, but before we do, we're going to play a song. That is right. This is a new favourite of mine. Of course it is. Okay. <laughs> so from the new album, The Allegory, this is by Royce to 59 Can I just say very quickly, I tried to play this on my Alexa last night. It said, Alexa, please play the song. Mm. And Alexa goes, playing Royce to five foot nine inches on Spotify, <laughs> which is not as cool a title. Um, is Alexa artists. a boomer? Bless her heart. Yeah, she totally is. <laughs> so this is Upside Down by Royce to five nine. Guys, go outside. It's a beautiful day. Soak in some vitamin D. But we'll- do it in isolation or in distancing. Okay. All right. <laughs> have, a good, have a good week, guys. Catch you all next week. <laughs>